Welcome to the Fit Dad Club podcast. You're here with Travis Jones and Jason Barrett. And I'm hopefully you're a dad or you're the wife or a friend of a dad who you can share this with. Today we are talking again about habits. We have talked about habits today, but we're not talking specifically just about habits. We're going to start doing some recaps of some favorite takeaways of the top books that are going to help change your life. And one of the best books that I recommend to all um, the dads that jump on our program is Atomic Habits by James Clear. I found the takeaways in this book, if you're looking to change any aspect of your life, can be implemented and reused across every foundation, whether it be your love, your work, or your health. And that's what we're going to go through today, our top takeaways of Atomic Habits. Jace, how are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing really well, thanks, man. We just uh, took our daughter for six-month needles, so that's never a fun time when they cry and you just feel like you've betrayed their trust, but um, right. yeah, has to be done. Has to be done. Uh, how you going? I'm good, mate. I remember when our boys did it, Liv and I, when we used to walk out the room and I was just like the kid holding, the dad holding the kid's arms and the, I get the identity of the, the needle holding dad jabber. Exactly. And then, <laughs> then mum has a lollipop in the other room and she's like, exactly. but did me and old dad take you in here? Uh, Come here, my darling. It's That's the uh, the bane of all dads. I was talking to my sister and she's like, yeah, I'm at Calvin, hold her all the time. I'm like, yep, yep, yep. yep. Happens. And then what else happened today? I ran a good 10K today, just trying to keep up my pace for my 10K because Jack's my son. People have actually been saying to me lately, oh, you're running more, you're running more. I was like, yeah, I actually don't really like running myself. Um, <laughs> but I'm running... Because my son, one, is good at running. He's eight years old, one of my sons. And he can run a good 5K at about his fastest was 23.57. He can averaging it under 25 minutes at the moment pretty much every week when we do our park runs. And it's something he's good at and something I want to foster because he loves sport and being good at running is can transition to every sport he loves. And he loves the competition aspect of things for himself every single week. So for myself, as a dad, he's eight right now running that time. So I need to continue to work on my time so I can run faster, so I can keep pacing him, so I can keep pushing him. And I think as dads, that's a great thing for us. I don't want to be a sideline dad cheering my son along. I want to be the dad who's running with him to help him become better and better every single week. So just finished off a 10K and I think I did in about 48 minutes. The back 5Ks was about 22 minutes um, for that 5K. So it was a good run today. Got to keep running more, keep, keep running faster so I can basically keep up with my eight-year-old son, which is quite funny. So let's jump into it today, mate. Uh, Atomic Habits, did you like the book? And did you get any takeaways from it, Chase? Um, no, I didn't. No, it's a, uh, it was a really good, really, really good read. I think, um, as you were saying, the... For me, the practicality of it and the applicability of it to so many different areas of life, right? Which is more what we want to do as a fit dad's club, right? We want to be beyond just, you know, getting your body fit because there's no point in having a good body if your mind's not in the right place, if your emotions aren't in the right place, if you haven't got other good habits, right? If you're broke, but you've got abs, right? Then you're, uh, you're not using your OnlyFans correctly. Uh, only dad's club. Um, the One of the biggest things I think, is, I probably just go sort of tit for tat on some of the big takeaways, but um, one thing that really resonated with me and it's kind of been something that I've taught a lot of my guys and a lot of guys in general is the the 1% rule, right? The idea of just wanting to be 1% better every day. Um, that to me was a really key takeaway because especially in, and I kind of relate things, I tend to relate things back to the health and fitness industry anyway, but um, a lot of people tend to like sniff at the really small, if they're trying to gain weight, it, you know, the really small weight gains or the really small weight loss. It's like, oh, I only lost 300 grams or 500 grams or something this week. Oh, this sucks, right? 
in a world where we're marketed like a lot of, you know, oh, you could lose all the weight you want in, you know, in six weeks and you'll be, you know, all, that's all you need to do. The six week shred and we'll get you 15 kilos. And it's like, you're not going to get anything meaningful off in that time. But at the same time, that, that's the, what people tend to want. Whereas over the course of 12 months, and I've told this to a bunch of my guys, I lost weight. I lost about, you know, 30 odd kilos. It took me about two years to do it. Um, if I was, and there are times where I plateau, there are times where it was like a bit hard or times where I was inconsistent and it was like up and down, up and down, up and down. But overall, I was really focused on the goal for a long period of time. And if I didn't focus on just like every day, do that notch, do that 1% better, do that little action to get me towards what I want to do. And that was kind of like another point in the book, right? Every, every action is either a notch on your belt towards what you want to be and towards that positive identity, or it's not, um, but yeah, as you can see, a lot of the concepts we talk about tend to come from this book. It's a, it's quite a good one. So highly recommend reading it if you've enjoyed the podcast. But for me, that one was a, just like a big mindset shift around if you can just do a little bit better each day. It's not about massive jumps and massive incremental shifts. Mm. And again, there's something that um, this guy I listened to, Nick Peterson, says, how f- it's like, how fast will it happen? It's like far, um, slower than anyone wants, but faster than anyone thinks is possible. It's like, and it's, it, it, I just want to let that sink in. It's like slower than anyone actually wants, but faster than they think is possible. Because a lot of people are so impatient, but then you realize that that adds up over the course of, you know, months and then years. People poo-poo small, um, <laughs> small weights. Uh, I, I've seen people that kind of look weirdly when I've gone to like the leg press or the the barbell doing a um like a deadlift, and I'll add the one point two five kilo weights on the side, right? Mm. Most people like bro, it's a leg press. You go up by like 10, 20 kilos at a time. What is this? And I was like, well, if you could add 1.25 kilos or two, two and a half kilos a week, every single week consistently, then yeah. by the end, that's like an extra hundred kilos by the end of the year. How, what kind of program are you on that you could leg press an extra hundred kilos in within a year? You'd be like, that's fucking phenomenal. But yet they still poo-poo the idea of two and a half kilos a week and that little addition, that little addition. The, the little things do scale and do add up and that's i guess that's why i really resonated with that concept because i see so many people you know sniff at the the small things that they can do that over time will have a really really profound impact things like getting their steps in um you know scheduling time taking one thing that i found as well is like taking five minutes with my wife and like you know even if i'm tired at the end of the day do those things like cool i just want to be a little bit of a better husband today a little bit of a better husband and then those things also start to become easier as we've talked about before so that was one point that just kind of really resonated with me on like a bunch of different levels yeah mate. he talks about it's like when we say with the same habits you're going to get the same results but with better habits anything is possible i think like whilst that concept might sound simple we don't look at it like with the same habits you're doing right now so if your current habits are pressing snooze and going to work and drinking a six pack of beer at the end of the night and, you know, not e- eating basically whatever you want, um, these are all habits, right? And they're taking you in a direction where you're not happy. So, you know, we need to dramatically shift these habits with the one percenters, okay? Just like you just said. And I love that one percent um, idea purely because, you know, we focus on the minutiae when we should be looking at the one percenters across the board with broad strokes rather than mm-hmm. trying to figure out, oh, I need to have the exact macronutrient split and carbohydrates timed at the, you know, after my workout and protein within 30 minutes and I need to make sure I hit my creatine and what's my fat loss supplement that I can just like, no, let's just look at the 1% broad strokes at the moment. 
You know, are you, are you sleeping seven hours a night? Okay. You know, how many steps are you doing a day? Are you doing 5,000? Okay, let's go 5,500 or 6,000 steps. You know, how many calories you're eating? I don't know. It's like, okay, well, let's track that and let's just drop it by 100 or 150 calories a day across the week and you're going to start moving forwards. It's the, he got that from the British cycling team in 2003. They were pretty much the worst cycling team in the world, I would say. One of the worst. Um, and so they, had, they can't yeah, run. Exactly. And they had a new person come in and look after the cycling team. He looked at the 1% across the board for the next five years, from the sleep quality to the pillows they were taking on the road with them, to the massage gels they were using, to the racing suits, um, to the tires, to everything. So he looked at 1% increment changes across the board. And all those 1% has added up. And by 2008, they won 60% of the gold medals at the Beijing Olympics. So if we can look at the 1%ers that actually make change inside your life for your transformation, and it can be your steps, it can be your sleep, it can be lifting in the gym and putting the two and a half kilos on, it can be, you know, just tracking your food correctly and looking at the 1% improvements weekly with that and the food choices, you know, the 1% changes when you're eating out, um, the 1% changes with the people you're looking after. So if we look at like the seven or eight little things that you can do and just make micro changes across the board with all of those 1% increments and we do that on the weekly or we do that on the monthly, your life's dramatically going to change. And as you said, with the weight increasing on the leg press, it's the same as like, if you just lost 500 grams a week for the next year, you're 25 kilos down. Like 500 grams of weight loss a, a week is, is great if it's consistent. And it's consistent if we do some of the other things that we talk about in the book, which is the compound effect. So hmm. let's understand, you know, habits are hard to change, right? So they are hard to change. And especially they're hard to change when they don't deliver a immediate result right now. It's why everyone sells the courses that you're going to lose 10 kilos in 30 days on the man shake or the slimming world or the herbal life or whatever they're selling these days. Um, or they'll tell you how you can be a millionaire in 30 days. Everyone wants the fast, the biggest possible result in the shortest possible time, right? Mm -hmm. But anything that sounds too good to be true normally is right so it's too good to be true you're going to lose the weight and you're going to gain it back because you're not getting any of the habits there and as far as like wealth building wealth creation you're probably just going to lose all your money so when we're looking at this <laughs> we need to understand the compounding effects of positive habits we're going to eat healthy today because we should be far more um, concerned with the current trajectory than our current results that's a great quote from the book we should be far more concerned from the current trajectory of our habits than the current results. Because we know that if we start tracking our food and we start doing our steps and we start doing our weight training and we stick to this long enough that yes, the results might seem somewhat slow at the start. And when I say slow, you're still going to lose half a kilo to one and a half kilo a week, but people want to see abs within four weeks these days. But you know, with this, you're going to lose that half a kilo to one and a half kilo a week. And then all of a sudden you'll cross this threshold and, you know, after 16 weeks, your body starts to become hard. Your waist starts to come in. Your shoulders start to become protruding or off your body. You start to get this, this athletic physique. And it didn't happen overnight. It happened over time. And over the first four, eight, 12 weeks, you didn't really see the muscle mass, but it was building behind the scenes because of the compounding effect. Like, you know, your body doesn't change with three great workouts. 
It just doesn't. Even though we think it's like, I went to the gym this week and I tracked my, um, all my food. I take your shirt up. Have I got abs yet? It's like, no, you haven't. You're 25 kilos overweight, right? Three good workouts and one week of tracking nutrition isn't giving you abs. Just like, you know, one night out on the drink isn't going to gain you 25 kilos. That was a decade of overeating and indulgence. So we have to understand the negative outcome doesn't happen from one bad night and the positive outcome doesn't happen from one good week. So what we have to do is we have to go over time, positive habits, and the compounding effect from those positive habits creates the identity, like the bamboo tree, right? Mm -hmm. It takes five years growing down, creating the roots to support itself. And then I think it was within the next six weeks, grows 90 feet out of the ground. Overnight, it's like bang, 90 feet. There's this bamboo tree out of the ground in front of you. You're like, wow, that happened really fast. It's like, no, that took five years and six weeks for this to happen. And it's the same as you. It's like, you know, you'll lose the weight and people go, oh man, you changed your life. That was so fast. It's like, no, yeah, just because I was overweight for the last decade. I've been busting my ass the last six months and that's what I did. And I was consistent for six months. People say, you're obsessed. People say everything. It's like, no, you're compounding these results. And all of a sudden they gave, you put these good habits in and you just kept refining and lived with those 1% changes. And then your results happened. And you get to keep those results because you weren't looking for a quick fix. You're actually changing the fundamental aspects of your life. Mm, yeah. One thing that I took from that and I started implementing now is I've scheduled um, just before I like technically start my day is 15 minutes in my calendar, which is in my calendar every single day, which is a stretching routine. And it's something that I definitely do because the weather's getting a bit shittier. Our morning walks have been a little bit more difficult to do in terms of, um, you know, that morning walk really helps me loosen up my lower back and, you know, just get the blood moving before you, you know, sit down to a desk. Like I've got a stand up desk as well. So that helps. But um, one thing for me has been really getting more flexibility in my hips and my glutes and all that kind of stuff so that I won't have a tight and, and sore lower back. And so I can get down on the ground and play with my daughter without having to be like geriatric, you know, use my hand and oh, God, support myself down. Right. So having this little routine has been something that I'm like, all right, cool. This It's motivating. It's really, once you get the rhythm of it, I'm like doing a little bit of like a hip flexor stretch, doing a little bit of a back stretch, do a bit of a glute stretch. And that little, that little 1% has, you know, it, it adds to your willingness and we'll talk about this later on with the sort of the cue, the craving, the routine, the reward. Um, the it just kind of motivates you to do it more right it's a simple thing that you can do all of these changes aren't huge but they are over time they're going to create a compound effect of such amazing results right it's just like compounding interest over and over again it's the the eight the ninth wonder of the world or the eighth wonder of the world i can't remember i can't remember how many world wonders there are i'm pretty sure it's the eighth Mate, there's lots of wonders. You're one of them. Um, so, <laughs> so when we're looking at this, guys, yeah, you wonder I, about me. <laughs> so when, when we're looking at it, man, like I think the big thing he talks about in there is outcome, process, and identity, and how your habits shape your identity, but also your identity shapes your habits. And I mm. think this it goes back and forth. And I think one thing that a lot of people don't do is understand the identity that they currently are and the identity that they want to be. And I, I know we've talked about this before, but it's, mate, like the more we talk about stuff, I'm hoping the more it sinks into your brain as you're listening and you might just have this one aha moment. You're like, oh, hmm. that makes sense. So the identity right now is like, I, you're like, I don't have an identity with fitness. And it's like, well, if you were to identify yourself right now, as, as something inside fitness, what would you do? You look in the mirror, you go run 10Ks right now, okay? And you identify, 
where you are with your 10k run and people oh, are like, my 10k remember. walk yeah, exactly <laughs> you're like I, I don't know identify as a runner um you know now you go to the gym right now identify yourself as in how you're lifting in the gym right oh i don't train okay you identify yourself with you know drinking the beers how you identify hey i'm, I'm great at that you identify yourself with you know the food that you eat it's like i eat whatever i want it's like okay now so they're all process orientated right the process creates identity and when we look at it and an outcome it's all wrapped in this circular loop so those processes at the moment if you currently aren't moving if you're currently eating whatever you want, if you're currently over drinking, right? And we're looking at these processes, the outcome they create is someone who is low on energy, who is essentially sluggish, their weight probably isn't what they want it to be. Okay, so they're probably 10, 20, 30 kilos overweight. Now, if we're looking at that, that is the outcome from it. And now that outcome then creates an identity. And if we want to label it harshly, I'm going to call that identity fat dad. And you might be listening to this and you're like, dude, fuck you. I'm not fat dad. It's like, sometimes we need to hear something confronting to change. Like if all those things are you and that is your outcome and you are 10 to 30 kilos of weight, it's like, you need a reality check. And it's like, okay, yeah, cool. Maybe I'm fat dad. And that's okay. But once we label it something, it's like, I don't want to be fat dad anymore because fat dad has these processes and this outcome, I don't like this outcome. So I need to shift my identity. So it's like, okay, well, if we polar opposite and create a dichotomy between fat dad and fit dad, what is fit dad then? If we can put some, uh, let's go from what is fit dad is the identity. Let's look at the outcome of fit dad. Well, the outcome of fit dad, he has abundance of energy. He can, he's strong, right? He's healthy and can play with the kids. He can run with the kids. He can get down the ground, like Jace just said, and he's mobile so he can play with his kids. He can chase his grandkids. Um, he's creating generational health, not generational wealth, generational health. So he's fit so his kids can be fit. Um, so he's confident. He's happy to take his shirt off down at the beach. Like he ha- this is the outcome. Now, what's the processes that create that outcome? Well, he probably um, doesn't sit on the couch all day, right? He probably focuses on some movement on a daily basis because we know that if I move, then I'm going to get this outcome. He probably does some strength training because he wants to be strong. He wants to be able to lift things because he wants to be physically, not just appear physically strong because he will, but he wants to be physically strong to be able to do the things he needs to do probably nourishes his body with the correct food, whether that be if you're tracking calories and and protein or intuitively eating, whatever it is. Um, We're not getting into that today, but he manages his nutrition, okay, to support the best version of him. So if we look at this, his process, he manages nutrition, he has some form of daily movement, he lifts, um, he actually does some form of mobility mobility and movement so he can get down and get up without the back aches and the pains and because of that he has all those outcomes and the identity of that is fit dad now all of a sudden we have two identities we have fat dad we have fit dad we have processes underneath them we have outcomes underneath, underneath that and then as we're going through the day okay we're always faced with choices and now because we've created clear dichotomy between the two it's like we go to lunch and all of a sudden there's two things on the menu one thing fat dad would eat and there's one thing fit dad would eat it's like who am i choosing to be right now and you choose to be fit dad because you want that outcome and the more you choose to be fit dad you know like you just said but earlier jays it's like you know we are as we, we as we vote um with the more votes we take 
towards the person we want to be, then we eventually become them. And that's what we talk about in the, in the book as well. So you're voting every single meal, you're voting to be fit dad. Every single time you don't want to work out and you still work out, you're voting to be fit dad. Every time your alarm goes off and you get out of bed and pressing snooze, you're voting to be fit dad. And as the votes stack up, so do you assume the identity of fit dad? Because at the start, as you're voting and it's conscious, you're consciously choosing to be fit dad. Ah, like, oh, which one do I want to be? I really want to eat that right now, but no, I'm choosing to be fit dad. I don't want to work out. I'm choosing to be fit dad. And the more times you choose it, the easier it is to choose it. And then all of a sudden, after six months, after 12 months, it's not even a choice anymore. You only see the choice of fit dad because you assume the identity of fit dad because your behaviors shape your identity and the identity shapes our behaviors. And that's what we do. It really, they really rebound off each other. And I think the big thing is first identify that identity. Like, who do I want to be? How do I want to um, be in this world? Like, what kind of identity do I want to have? What does my version of Fit Dad look like? And then as Travis saying, take those actions, but the smallest action that you can take, if you can have, even if it's the tiniest little thing, and this is something, again, it goes into in the book, is the small actions that reaffirm that identity. It's, um, it's very easy to get there when you only focus on the wins. There's something in our, um, in our neurology called your reticular activated system, which is basically your RAS, the thing that can pick out stuff that is relevant. Essentially, it deletes, it distorts, and it generalizes the world away from you. And it allows you to only see what's relevant for you. If you've ever bought a new car, and then all of a sudden you're out on the road and it's like every other motherfucker has that exact same car. It's like, how dare you? I'm the one who bought this Holden Captiva. How, uh, why does everyone else have one too? Um, by the way, probably don't buy one. There's a reason they call it a Craptiva. But um, that's another that's another. <laughs> um, but there's there's relevance. It's like you, find, you, you build a house, then all of a sudden you notice all the houses that are being built and all the stuff that's going on with them. There was still the exact same amount of those things before, but they weren't relevant for you. So by focusing in on what is relevant for you, the decisions that will make you and the behaviors that will turn you into fit dad and the votes in that direction, the more you'll start to ignore the options that go the opposite way. Um, and one of the big things I've talked about, it's it, it sounds like it's contrary to this point, but it's really not, which is just because you do something doesn't make you that person. We want to be selective about how we use this. So it's about being selective as to what you mentally can consider votes in the wrong direction. It's like, hey, let's say we, you know, we go out one of my guys um, the other day. He said, oh, I shouldn't have had, you know, the, the Kit Kat or the Snickers or whatever it was. And he's like, it was a bit of a blowout. And I was like, it was 400 calories. I was like, bro, that's hardly a blowout. That's a, you know, that's, that's nothing. You can that, you, you know, go for an extra thousand steps. You're good. Um, but even without that, it's like that for him it was like, oh, this is a blowout. It feels like it's kind of a vote in their own direction. It's like, hey, just because you did this action doesn't mean that's who you are. You're still like, your votes are still majority in the positive. So even if it's 51, 49, it's like, cool. That one vote doesn't take away from who you are because I think a lot of people can get mentally defeated if they're like, oh, I keep choosing the fat dad. I keep choosing the fat dad. It's like, no, focus on all the times that you choose the fit dad option. Focus on all the votes in that direction and you will naturally have more votes in that direction. Don't let um, one vote in the opposite direction being oh now i'm now i'm fat dad again it's like no 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 look it's like a it's a small detour we get back on track we're still moving to in the right direction just because we take a detour right you don't identify with that anymore unless you consistently choose that and it's your majority choice for a long time so it's um that's just a bit of a i know i've suggested that before around like you know your identity your um behaviors aren't who you are but you should shape your identity around who you want to be and then allow your behaviors to follow that blueprint, 
right? Rather than just saying, oh, I do these things, therefore that's who I am. It's because most people haven't actually taken conscious control of what do I want my identity to be? Who do I actually want to be? How do I want to be showing up? And what behaviors does that person do on average most of the time? That's what I'm going to do. Um, so when it's when it's showing up by default, that's when I think a lot of people can get a little bit like, oh, you know, this is just who I am. It's like, well, have a think about who you actually want to be and move towards that. Who do I want to be? I had a real serious talk myself and I was like, I want to be mobile. I want to be mobile and I want to be strong. I don't care if that means, you know, oh, you know, I'm bulking, so I shouldn't go for a cardio. I was like, no, I still want to be healthy and I want to be able to run around. So I'm still going to do that stuff. I still want to be mobile. I don't want to turn into a power lifter, right? I'm not going to walk around. I can only squat, bench and deadlift. That's the only movements I can do. I want to have some flexibility. I want to be able to squat down. I want to be able to get low. I want to be able to move around. Um, fluidly, right? These are all things that were, you know, this is who I want to be. This is the identity I want to associate with. This is my version of fit dad. So I'm going to move towards that, right? Every day, if I, you know, if I miss a day, you know, you just don't miss twice in a row. It's not that, oh, now I'm back to unflexible fat dad again. No, right? Just because you missed that doesn't mean that's not who you are. You are still on that track to fit dad. You just got to keep moving in that direction. Exactly, mate. And I think in doing that, I will touch on the, cue craving response reward sort of loop that we go through on creating good habits. Um, I won't go into it as much. I'll let you delve into this, Jace. But, you know, I think a great thing that he does talk about is, you know, when we're looking at good habits, one, and we're trying to implement to our life, we need to make it obvious. We need to make it attractive. We need to make it easy. So as we were touching on before, and we need to make it satisfying. So if, if you don't like running, I'm not going to tell you to start running 10 kilometers every single day, right? Like it's not going to be satisfying and that's not easy if you don't run. Um, It's definitely not attractive. And so I think if we look at it, we want to start doing some of this, like it's going to be hard, right? Like like changing your life is hard. Let's, Let's get that straight. But at the same time, we don't have to do shit we hate at the start because then you, it's not just hard, you also dislike it. So when we're looking at it, we need to, understand that to create a habit into our life okay we need to make it obvious to start the habit so it obvious when we need to look at it it's like okay alarm you want to go out and train in the morning make it obvious means your your phone we talked about this again before your phone is you know away from your bed the alarm goes off it's obvious that the habit starts you know it's attractive as far as you don't have to go and find things for um, to get ready for the morning, you've already laid your shoes out, you've already laid your pants out, you've already um, laid everything out for yourself, making it easy. It might be, your workout might literally be a, a, a one kilometer walk to start with. If you're starting, you know, it could be a one, one kilometer walk. And then you make it satisfying. At the end of my walk, that's when I'm allowed my coffee. Okay. So <laughs> that's, and that's satisfying. You go for your walk and then you grab your coffee. And we've sort of lumped in there these four key areas to start to implement those um good habits in and that's how we create those good habits and then we we, it goes into the cue craving response reward or cue um response reward sort of cycle as well jace if you want to delve Mm. into that yeah it's i think making it obvious is is a step that i think a lot of people know about and a lot of people like yeah i'm going to put my running shoes right next to my bed but uh, who else is guilty of not only that but like i'll put my rates or my you know my rego 
on the fridge with a big fucking magnet on it and it's the it's the only piece of paper on my fridge it's got yeah it, it looks like a you know a fine or something like that but then how many times a day do you open the fridge and completely blank and ignore that thing no matter how obvious it is it's still not attractive right and hence the the craving we still we still don't uh, uh, nothing in me wants to take that off the fridge and pay it nothing you know i'm not excited to give the government my money all right you know it's, it's just it doesn't you know it doesn't sit well with me as my money i earned it um but that's the key that we need to really sort of make it how do we make it attractive right how do we make it attractive for ourselves mentally it's there's going to be some aspects of it they're going to be attractive right whether there's um you know there's an opportunity for you to do something on the walk like for me it would probably be like you know i can only have yeah like you said i can only have the coffee if i go for the walk there'll be that element of satisfaction after but even if i did it for example on the walk i'm like I like the idea of walking along if it's a cold day, you know, with my coffee in my hand, my little keep cup. I'm like, oh yeah, that's an attractive idea to me. Same thing for me with the um, the stretches in the morning. I was like, what makes that attractive? Because the idea of just sitting in a room and just doing some stretches doesn't like, doesn't, uh, doesn't, it's not that attractive to me. So um, I was like, I prep my dinner, have my coffee in the room. And then I'll like, um, you know, one of my guilty pleasures is I'll have like YouTube channels. I like to follow and watch some of their stuff. So I'll put on one of those videos and I'll watch that while I do my stretching. I'm like, oh yeah, that gets me my little sort of, that makes it a lot more attractive for me to do that. So it's, it's almost the idea of coattailing, you know, positive things mm. onto the back of existing habits. You know, you might already sit down and watch YouTube to start the day. You might already have that coffee. They'll be pinning another habit onto the back of that, which is another concept we'll talk about in a bit. But that, that attractiveness, making it seem like an attractive thing by either adding something else onto it or the, um, the other aspect for me of making a, a new habit or a new routine that you want to get in place attractive is remembering and having a, a thing that reminds you of the end outcome and why you're doing it right it's like every time you, you know you're going to the gym every time you're taking that action you're like you know what i'm getting that one percent better and that one percent better makes me feel like you know, it's an attractive prospect to me because i know what i'm going to achieve by the end of it and how important that is to me um you know whether it's a level of fitness whether it's a level of you know seeing your abs for the first time it's like that end goal is attractive enough to me that and I, but the problem is they don't relate it to the process people don't relate the idea of me getting abs with me getting up early in the morning right when they're in that moment they're just like oh sleep right so first you need to have the obvious the alarm clock going off all right and then you've got to have that reminder that thing that makes it attractive whether it is a coffee as you walk whether it's you know reminding yourself this is I'm, this is going to make me physically attractive right that's the attraction that's that's what i'm going to do i'm going to get my abs it's going to make me feel good and then exactly as Trav said, you want to make it easy. So the ways that you make it easy are going to vary. But it, you know, for me, I don't need anything to start my stretching routine. I've got a couch right next to me. I've got a chair. I know exactly what I can do for all of the stretches I want to do. It's within this one meter square radius. Doesn't take much effort, so I can do it. The for the walk, have your running shoes and your outfit ready to go. If it's going to be a cold day, have your big puffer jacket and your rain jacket there. Like you, you, you've got your outfit, everything laid out, so it's super simple. If you, you know, if going to the gym has been a barrier for you, or you've put that in the sort of the too hard basket because it's a drive, buy a couple of dumbbells and weights off. Um, off marketplace or something have it in your house in the backyard even if it's not that kind of a workout right have the you know all the stuff in the space you need do a, doing a bodyweight workout have a bodyweight workout printed off on a piece of paper ready to go sitting on top of your clothes so you know exactly what you're doing or look at it the night before and know we've got an app that has all the bodyweight workouts in there you can just follow along right so do those things to make it easier and then at the end of it 
that satisfaction that you get. Sometimes that satisfaction is purely from the completion of it, but sometimes it'll take some conscious thought. You'll have to consciously, you know, schedule yourself, give yourself sort of five minutes post-walk, post-workout to be like, you know what, to almost like almost like an affirmation to say, you know what, I felt really good doing that. That made me feel, you know, really, uh, I enjoyed that. I feel good. We talked about this a little bit last week in terms of, you know, the feeling that you get from a workout. They look looking forward to that feeling as being one of the things that the successful dads do. But having a mechanism for that satisfaction, whether it's a reflection and saying, I feel really good that I did that, that I've moved myself towards my goals. I am a fit dad, right? Having that almost that mental mantra going on in your head, or whether it's even sharing the wins, getting some praise, you know, ticking a box, or, you know, even if you have the, the sort of the three tick boxes of hitting my nutrition, hitting my steps, hitting my training, ticking that box, being like, yes, I've done that for the day. I'm you know, putting that almost that physical vote in that box. Um, so there's some practical ways you can start to sort of implement the obvious, attractive, easy and satisfying as far as the steps of, you know, having a cue to do an action, the craving of wanting to do that action, the response of actually doing the action and then the reward of finishing it off. The same can be said for breaking the negative habits, right? So you want to do the opposite to get rid of a negative habit. So you want to make it, um, rather than making it obvious, you want to make it like obscure. You want to hide it away. Driving a different route instead of seeing the McDonald's sign, driving a different way home so you don't even see the Maccas, right? It makes it a little bit harder. Deleting Uber Eats off your phone. That's a big one. That's a big one for a lot of guys, getting rid of that queue completely. Then guess what? That also makes it a little bit less attractive because like, oh, fuck, I've got to download, re-download the app and you know, maybe maybe you even log yourself out of it. So do I even remember my password for it? Um, it's not as easy as just clicking on the button and clicking, oh, I've ordered here before, right? Um, and then you know, you've got to create ways to make those things less satisfying. You've almost got to associate a negative outcome to the habits that you don't want to do. It's like, if I sleep in, how am I going to feel? Oh, I'm going to feel sluggish. I'm going to be tired. I'm going to be late. Uh, I'm going to feel stiff. I'm going to have a sore back. Uh, but then what's the opposite of that? Right? I'm going to have the positive effects of going for the walk, having the coffee, you know, feeling stretched, feeling refreshed, feeling energized. And then the more you can create that dichotomy with each of the habits, the, um, the better results you're going to get and the more you're going to stick to the new habits that you want to create. Yeah, I think also he talks about in the book, one of the guys, um, there was a, a case study from it. Um, I think it's the revised edition of the book. He talks mm. about the satisfying and making it, you know, dissatisfying. Um, mm. The guy created a contract that, you know, you know, these are the habits that I'm going to be doing. And if I don't do it, then I'm going to donate $1,500 to um, a charity, right? Yep. So, it, you know, it, it locks it in even further. It's like, yeah. I don't want to, you know, I support the charity, but I don't want to give $1,500 of my hard-earned money away when that can go towards something else. Um, mm. So I, I think when we're looking at this, you can gamify it in a way with a, a negative financial incentive to even further lock you in. It's like every time I use Uber Eats, I'm going to give, uh, put $25, um, you know, give it to my wife, <laughs> whatever it is, right? I uh, like, oh, do I really want that Uber Eats? Um, you just have to think about it even harder. It's like, what is that? Um, ice cream or what is that burger worth to you mm. to, if you're making it more dissatisfying to actually perform that bad or negative habit yeah or even let's say you've got like you're saving up for something for your kids it's like you know if mm. I'm going to buy Uber Eats I've got to buy it and put it out of my like kids savings account for them for you know for uni or for their first car or for their life that's the account I have to use yeah. Fuck, that'll make me stop spending real quick it's like oh holy shit right it makes it it stops making it about you and it's like oh well, I don't want to do that to my kids real. 
Yeah, but you're already taking that money away from them in some capacity because that, I mean, would you rather put an extra 25 bucks plus, you know, $9 delivery and it's cold and the person's eating two chips out of your bag by the time it's gotten there anyway. So it's like, what the fuck is the point? Um, so, you know, that could go towards you. You could double their, you know, their savings towards either a new car or a house deposit if you're helping them with that or you're trying to get them set up for for life there's yeah there's so many ways that you can make it dissatisfying everyone's going to have their own brand of uh of torture but um you know finding that for yourself and weaponizing and gamifying that and really pushing mm. yourself to to find those things dissatisfying and really having that you know you don't want to, you don't want to be down on yourself and like make yourself depressed no. but it's like it's not about that it's about I, if I do this, I will not be satisfied with what I have done. And, you know, sometimes it's from the action itself, but sometimes you've got to give yourself that little, that little push to not want to do it anymore. Every meat pie leverage. is, yeah, yeah, every, yeah, exactly. You need leverage. Every meat pie is a, uh, you know, I'm going to have to you know, drink a drink, do a shot of tequila. Oh, oh, nah, I'm out. If you want to, if you want that burger, you have to do a hundred burpees, right? And it's like, oh, okay, do I want that? <laughs> one burp, one, nah, fuck that. One burpee per calorie. Give me six hundred burpees. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it's like it's it's looking at it and making it. Again, this is not a shame mentality. What mm. we're doing is we're we're looking at how can we make it gamified and fun because every game has constraints and there's also penalties in a game when we don't live within those constraints. Right. So what we're looking at is if we go outside the constraints that we're giving to ourselves, what is the penalty for that? And understanding that's how we learn to play the game better. You know, when we look at any game, there's penalties. So we're creating a game. We've created rules for the game. We've created penalties when we break the game and making it dissatisfied to actually create, make, uh, break the rules to get the penalties. And that's how games are performed. Right. And then when you win the game, you get a reward. Right. So if you focus on this and we can talk about the marble strategy um, that he talks about as well, um, which is a fantastic strategy. Uh, and when we look at it, you know, say we want to try and stick to these habits for the first 30 days. And we're trying to create these really solid foundation of habits. Right. Um, there is a you've got two jars. Um, there is 30 marbles, you know, 25 or 26 or 25 of the marbles are green. You've got four red marbles um, every single day that you complete, complete three, the three tasks. Maybe it's your, your step goal, your nutrition tracking and your training. Every time you get a trifecta, you close your eyes, you grab the marbles. You don't know what color. They're, all the 30 marbles are in one jar. You grab the marble and you transfer it into the other jar. Now, with that, if you grab a green marble because you have 26 of those, that means nothing. It's just one step closer to grabbing a red marble because obviously there's four red marbles inside the 30. And every time you grab a red marble, you get to put $50 aside for that holiday you're going after. So that means you have every month, you have the ability to save $200 for this holiday if you hit it 30 days out of the month. And that means you're saving every single month and all of a sudden you go on that holiday, um, whatever your financial uh, goal is. But using this, if it takes you four months to move the 30 marbles, you'll be saving a lot slower. Okay. Mm. So your reward, the reward comes slower and it's like, no, I don't want that delayed gratification. I want it now. So you will hit the reward faster to get the dopamine hit from finding that red because it's at random, right? And that's how we keep the dopamine high rather than doing it every single day and getting dopamine hit. Yeah, you get a small one from moving the marble and tick, 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 but you get a large dopamine hit when things happen at random. And it's, your, it's a random red marble, larger hit, that just like me, move the marble. And that's a great strategy for us to do. I think 
a great thing that he talks about is if you surround yourself with people who have habits that you want to have yourself, you'll rise together. And I think this is so crucial for every single person out there. I'm going to say it again. You surround yourself with the people who have the habits that you want to have yourself and you'll rise together. If you're surrounding yourself with the people that with the habits that you don't want to have, have you'll also fall together, right? It's, it's the same sort of thing. There's a dichotomy there. It's hard to break away from a, a pack, right? You know, they talk about the, you know, it's hard to be an eagle if you're surrounded by ducklings or goose or whatever the quote is. Um, so you somewhere want to try and, somewhere like that, but you want to find the other eagles, right? And even if you're not there there yet, if you're trying and you find a group of people with the habits you want, they're not going to kick you out of the group. They're going to foster you and help you. That's the great thing about people who are doing better than you. They always want everyone to win, right? It's the people who are doing worse than you who actually want you to lose. And that's the funny thing about human nature. So find people who are winning. Find people who are doing the things that you want to do. Either you know, make friends with them and try and get into that room or pay to be in that room. Because that's what's actually going to change your life. And that's why, you know, the Fitz Dads community that we have, you know, these guys create friendships, they create support networks, they create accountability with each other. We create accountability with our clients because we have the habits they want to have. And together, we all rise to become the best versions of us. I think that is such a missing link towards especially dads. Okay, mm -hmm. who sometimes find it to be isolated. Um, they work, they support their family, um, they've got kids, they've got a million things going on. So it's hard to find those new social connections that are going to drive their health aspect further forward um, because they just don't have time to find that. So this online community is something that they can easily create, adopt, <coughs> and they can have to have that online support. And uh, that's how we all rise together as well. Hmm. Yeah, and then that's it. I think it's a um, part of the seven habits of highly effective people as well. Is like mm. one of those habits is they have a mastermind, right? They have a group of people that they spend time with that elevate them, right? People that hold you to a higher standard, people that um, don't accept your excuses for you. They help you rise to that that next level. Whereas, yeah, as Travis saying, people who are not doing as good as you kind of want to tear you down a little bit, right? Mentally, they want to take you down because you're kind of shining a light on their insecurities and their issues. But if you can, again, that that free group, we've got a free group, we've got a group for, um, you know, for just clients as well. So like there's, there's places out there where you can find those communities of people and you've got to, you've got to be willing to put yourself out there and almost create that community for yourself as well. There's no point in just being a sort of a passive observer. You've got to be an active participant in your own rescue and your own journey, because if not, you know, people aren't going to, there's nothing worse than, um, you know, seeing someone asking for help, but not willing to do the things that they need to do. It's like when you, you know, the amount of people that will pull over and help you change a tire, but they won't pull over and change a tire for you right? Um, unless you're a pretty Instagram girl, then, you know, then 15 different people will do it for you. Um, then they'll all be asking for your phone number and that's a whole other issue. It happens to me all the time, mate. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen, I've seen <laughs> you in those, uh, in those six-year-old shorts. Booty shorts uh... <laughs> yeah. But I, I think a key thing with that, Jace, is also don't be an asshole. So mm. when I say that, it's like an asshole is someone um, who asks the questions and just because they don't like the answer, they don't follow through. If you're going to ask the question, have the humility to listen to the answer and understand that you may have something to learn. 
And then instead of going to ask, you know, you're not liking the answer. So you just keep asking and asking and asking. And they keep coming back to the same person, asking the same question and wanting a different, easier answer. It's like, try implementing. If you're going to ask a question, listen to the answer, have the humility to see a different perspective and also implement the answer um, based on the new knowledge that you have just received. So I think that's a a key thing as well. Um, So staying motivated, I think, is a crucial thing that he does talk about inside the book as well. He talks about the Goldilocks rule. Um, so this is something that we just, I might, we briefly talked about earlier in the podcast, um, but it's understanding this Goldilocks rule. And we talk about going so hard at the, at the start that you burn out and you just give up, right? So you go on this fad diet, you're going on this keto, this fasting, this kind of, well, this going on something, something that you don't want to and can't stick to or some very low calorie diet um, you can't stick to and you go for it for four days and you fall off. You do it for four days, you fall off. It just like keeps going because when we look at the Goldilocks rule, it's like there's too hard, there's too easy and there's just right, right? Mm. So, you know, that's too hard, right? Going on something that's ridiculous that you can't stick to. And then we're looking at something that's too easy. Well, something that's too easy could be, I'm just going to have a cup of veg a day, right? Well, that's too easy. It's not going to probably get your results. You're not going to be motivated by that because the results are going to be so slow that you can't really understand if did this actually get me the result. So we need to look at what's just right. Um, and that's what we actually monitor with our clients. It's like, you know, how, where's your hunger levels? How you're finding the diet? How you're finding the macros and the calories? And we monitor that with you to make sure it's just right and making sure the strategies are in play. And if it's feeling like you're a little bit too hungry, okay, these are the volume-based foods. If we're feeling like we're not getting the results fast enough, we'll make sure the deficit is slightly larger. So we can sort of maintain that even keel inside the Goldilocks rule of just right to keep motivation high. It's the same sort of thing. You know, if you go into the gym and you can squat 200 kilos, or let's just say you can squat 100 kilos, okay? If I chuck 200 kilos on the bar, you jump on it, you lift it off the rack, you break your back, right? You literally collapse under the weight. Um, So it's like, that's too hard. That is demotivating and you're just not going to be squatting for a while, if if ever again. Um, Also, at the same time, if you can squat 100 kilos and I just give you 20 kilos and say, this is all you can lift now, that's also going to be demotivating because it is not inside. It's too easy. So we need to try and create a program that has that sort of overload that's continuing to progress you in the just right scenario that's moving you forward. It's just where, just outside your comfort zone. It just keeps pushing you forward. And it's the same as when we look at, I get my guys who, who want to run more, right? I tell them to start running every single day. Not too easy, not too hard, just right. And then we keep increasing the just right. So some of them might be like, they might even start at like one kilometer a day. And then we're like, okay, let's do that for the first three weeks. And it started from like, okay, well, now it's, it's getting towards the easy side of things. Okay, now we're doing two kilometers a day. And we push it back into just right. Starts to get too easy. Okay, push it up to three kilometers. <clears throat> but if we had to start at the three kilometers, it would have been too hard. They give up. And all of a sudden, that's how we look at it. Everything comes down to the Goldilocks rule. And the Goldilocks rule is an individual tailored plan because everyone is in a different path. Every athlete was once an amateur and you are somewhere in the spectrum of amateur to athlete. And based on that spectrum, you sit inside that Goldilocks rule and you have a coach or you have yourself to understand where am I sitting and what is the just right for me to get me to the next point for the next version of me. 
because you see those, oh, this is a day of life of my eating. It's like, yeah, dude, that's your life. It's not my life. That your your just right is not my just right. Or the training plans or the anything right there, right? It should be tailored, it should be unique, it should be your just right. And that's how the Goldilocks rule works for us in an individual standpoint. And then the last thing with that is we need to act in spite of boredom. Okay. Act in spite of boredom. That is the key to mastery. Like, you know, most things come from doing the boring thing over, over, over and over again, right? And just do, acting in spite of boredom, right? That, that's what it is at the end of the day. You know, most marriages happen because uh, are amazing when they're less volatile, right? And just doing the boring stuff over and over again. You have some excitement in there, but there is, there is some boring stuff. It's, it's the I love yous, it's the kisses on the cheek, it's the putting the bin out, it's the doing the dishes, like it's, it's uh-huh. like it's all the little things. It's acting in spite of boredom because you care about the person, right? And it's acting in spite of per, uh, boredom with our training and our nutrition, our steps, because you care about the person that is you. Right. And that's what we look at. It's the same as the business and financial success. You know, boring could be putting a hundred dollars aside every single week and all of a sudden you're a millionaire in the next 20 years, right? That was super boring. 20 years to get success. But it's like uh, the boring works. Oh boring over a prolonged period of time gets results. Yeah. A yacht and Monaco watching the Grand Prix. Yeah, it's not boring, <laughs> but that's a lot of goddamn money. And uh, once it's done, you, it's not going to give you uh yeah, you're not going to be rich from that. You're going to, if you're like me, you're going to be a lot of credit card debt if you try to do it. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it is, it's the little things. It's the little things at the end of the day. And it's, it isn't sexy. And anyone who tries to sell it as a sexy process, um, a lot of the times it isn't. That's why you have to make these processes become habit as soon as you can, because when it's habit, then you don't have to think about how boring it is. You just get it done. It just happens because it's habit as opposed to having that, that tension of, oh, but I'm bored. And uh, um, there's, there's one quote that I loved that, that kind of summarizes that for me, which is about, you know, the purpose of setting goals is to win the game. Um, the purpose of building systems is to continue playing the game. So the true long-term thinking, and we talked about this last week with point number one of um, the 16 things that dads do that guarantee their transformation is the true long-term thing. It's not about the goal, but it's not about any sort of single accomplishment. It's about a cycle of endlessly refinement, endless refinement and continuous improvement. Ultimately, it's about the commitment to the process that's going to determine your progress. So if you have commitment to the process and to actually doing it, right, being the person who is doing this for life, who is uh, training three times a week, who is getting their protein and their vegetable intake, all of those things, right? All of that adds up to you achieving the goal, but then beyond the goal, being that person and being in the process of being that person. Like I personally cannot ever see myself being a person who doesn't lift weights at least three times a week. That's just mm. it. Like, I feel like I would be a terrible person to be around if I stopped lifting weights or doing some kind of resistance physical activity three times a week. Right. I would be, I would be a nightmare. I'd be a terrible person. Right. It's, it's mental health for me. Um, the same thing with my protein intake. I'll feel, I don't care if I'm eating all the vegetables and the, you know, if I went full vegan chickpeas and quinoa and all kind of stuff, I'm like, oh, I'm definitely not eating my protein target. Right. Like all, all of these things would play in my mind. So I know that I'm just not that person. I cannot be that person. I'm already, I'm on a weightlifting program right now and I'm already thinking about what my next two or three programs want to be because I'm going to, you know, change it up, get that Goldilocks zone, increase it a little bit, change it up a little bit, do some more compound stuff. I'll be really looking forward to, but you've got to find ways to keep yourself engaged in the process. And sometimes 
novelty is a way to do that, right? That's why when we're in the program with our dads, we're doing, we're changing programs every sort of four to six weeks, not necessarily because that's, oh my God, you know, I'm going to shock and, and terrify the muscle. And it's going to be so confused that it's just going to grow. Um, like, uh, it's not really the reason. It's because you, for especially when you're first getting started and you're not in love with the process yet, that novelty will keep you going. That novelty, the idea of, oh, I'm going to be doing something different, right? As soon as you get into routine of it, some guys like, oh, this is kind of, now I'm a little bit bored. And until you push, can push through that boredom for the love of the process, you've got to introduce some, some novelty, some differences to keep your mind engaged as well, which is one thing that I really love about the idea of being all about the commitment to the process and the willingness to say, no, this is who I am. I'm doing this for life. It, the method may vary over time, but the pro overall process, I'm, you know, I'm enrolled, I'm in. Love it, mate. And I think the last thing that I, that I wanted to share is again, the Seinfeld strategy, because if you're not doing this, um, it's a visual representation because so many people get upset with the results from the work they didn't do. Okay. <laughs> and I'm putting that eloquently, right? Yeah. So it's like, oh man, like I, I tracked my nutrition. I did my training. And it's like, dude, you track nutrition four days out of seven. You trained three days or you trained two days. Your, your steps were like 4,000 steps a day. Um, and like that, if we average that out over across the uh, month, like, you know, you might've hit your steps like seven days out of the month you hit, you know, 10 sessions out of the adequate four, 16 sessions that we had tracked for you. And you tracked your nutrition like 17 days out of 30. And then you're upset with the results you got um, from the work you didn't do, right? So when we look at a visual representation of the work completed and you have this up on your board and there's a cross on the board every single day, um, of that you hit the, the three key criteria that we keep harping on about steps, training, and making sure we're hitting our calories and protein, right? So we put a cross on every single day. And at the end of the month, you've got like 28 crosses and you've lost like four kilos or five kilos. Well, then you're like, I did the work. I got the result, right? Or if you've got like 12 crosses and you've lost like one kilo or you've plateaued, it's like, well, I can't get upset because I can't get upset because I didn't do the work. So I can't expect the result. And this is where the Seinfeld strategy rolls, comes in. So that one, the visual representation of stop playing the victim because you have the data showing you that you just didn't do the work. And doing the work is the key thing to creating change. And we can lie to ourselves all the time about how much work we actually do until we look at the board and it shows us we didn't actually do the work. We did some of the work, but not the work we were supposed to do. So we put a cross on there. So Jerry Seinfeld, he wants to become the greatest comedian um, in the world, essentially. He wanted to write a joke every single day. It had a big 365 day calendar up on the board. Every day he would write a joke and he would put a cross on the board. <coughs> now, if he miss, his goal was one, to never miss a day. Um, but he, if, if he did miss a day, he would never miss twice. Okay, and that was a key thing for him. And then if he also, as he tracked and he put a cross on the board, he would then create a winning streak. And he, if he did miss a day, what he would look at is he was like, okay, I hit six days of crosses. I missed one day. My goal is to beat my streak. And my goal is next time to do a minimum of seven days in a row. And if we can ask this from you is to get a 30-day calendar. Um, and just start like, you know, you easily still get a calendar for this year and just start crossing it off. Steps, training, 
and and nutrition tracked, right? And you hit your calories, put across, put across, put across. At the end of the month, we're coming into June. Do this before June. Finish off this financial year with 28 crosses. In the month of June, you will be so happy with the results you got because you focused on the process. Link it in with the marble strategy that I talked about earlier. And then your identity will be shaping Okay, because we're focused on the process and we're focused on the current uh, habits and not the trajectory because the trajectory will take care of itself. The, the outcome takes care of itself, guys. And mm. I think that's what we have to understand. And we, we, we start tracking. We start doing the crosses. You miss a day. You never miss twice. You beat the streak. You did four days. You missed a day. You did five days. You missed a day. You did 16 days. And all of a sudden, you look at the end of the month, you hit like 25 plus days. You did the work. And if you did the work, and you had the a right program, calories and steps adequate for you, if you have the knowledge to do that, you'll have the result. And even if you didn't do that, you did the work, and now you know that you need to modify the strategy, calories in or calories out or program done for the next month, and you need to repeat doing the work with a slightly tweaked strategy, and then you'll get the result because we're still focusing on the process. And I think that's the, mm. for me, that's the last thing I wanted to sort of share from the book, mate. I got nothing else to add. I think that's a really good point to leave on is just really reminding yourself that if you do it, the work, you get the result. That's And that's what I say to all the clients that jump on board with us. I'm like, look, this this is not, um, it's not rocket science. It's nutritional science. Um, but it's, it's, it's numbers at the end of the day. If you take the actions, one of two things will happen. You'll either get the result or you'll then know what you need to do or change in order to get the result. And that's it. That those are the only two options, but they require you to actually do the actions. If you don't do the actions, then there's no information for us to actually make the changes from. If you, oh, I trained once last week, I guess I can't really change my nutrition because I didn't really do everything. Um, oh, so I suppose I'll kind of try and do the same thing again this week. And then, yeah, you're going to have a life of mediocre results. But if you do the work, you'll have one of two results and they'll both lead you towards getting your outcome, which will take care of itself if you do the work. Exactly, mate. So guys, if you want to have some coaching from us, go to fit-dad.club. We will have a chat, see what's holding you back, see the gap between point A to point B, help you overcome those obstacles or challenges. Remember, obstacles make us stronger and we'll make you stronger by helping you overcome those obstacles. You book in a call with us, we'll have a chat and help you transform your life by transforming your habits and keeping you accountable. Remember, proximity and accountability are the two most crucial factors to gain success, right? So we give you the proximity and the accountability because remember, you find the people with the habits that you want to have and we rise together. So go to fit-dad.club, leave us a review on this podcast, tell us how we are rock stars or tell us how we uh, suck. Uh, it's up to you. Yeah, I don't really go care. Go for it. It's still and, yeah, the algorithm. It. <laughs> exactly. Go for you. You comment. Yeah. Um, give us yeah. a review. And also, if you're on this on YouTube, give us a, a or anywhere. Um, let us know what you want to learn. Let us know um, if you enjoyed this sort of breakdown of a book because we were looking at breaking down books um, as we go through once every sort of three weeks, some of the favorite books that we have and how they impacted our methodologies and also not just nutrition-based books or habit-based books, but sometimes looking at the you know, willpower, emotional stamina, understanding mindset even deeper because we want to break it down. We want to help deliver you the key aspects to help transform your mind, your body, and your life. And that's what the Fit Dad Club does. So again, guys, go to fit-dad.club if you want to work with us. Um, if not, that's it for today. Peace out, guys. Have a great week. Laters.